Well, I invite you to turn in your Bible then with me to Psalm 84. Psalm 84. One of the Psalms of the sons of Korah. They have 11 recorded Psalms. And uh, they often share this theme of delight in the house of the Lord and delight in the worship of God. And that's what we have here in Psalm 84. I'm entitling my message tonight, The Worshiping Pilgrim. Psalm 84. Let's give our attention to God's Word. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts! My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young. At your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Blessed are those whose strength is in you and whose hearts are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you for this word, this psalm, and I pray that your spirit would use it in our life again tonight to teach us, to form us, mold us. Uh, Lord, you've called us to be worshiping pilgrims on our way to that celestial city, and I pray, Lord, that by your spirit we would find the joy of this psalmist to be in our own heart and that it would increase and grow. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. I'm sure you're uh, well aware that over the last 20 years or so, there have been a growing number of people uh, who profess to be Christians, uh, but who are uh, de-churched, who are uh, no longer participating in um, church life, the public worship and service of uh, a local church. Um, Research uh, done by the Barna Group has really been paying attention to that uh, increasing demographic over the last uh, two decades particularly. Uh, Barna reports that these people still um, cl- uh, call themselves Christians. They, uh, they still pray. They, they hold to basic uh, Christian doctrine. They, um, they say that their faith is very important to them, but they, um, they no longer worship with God's people. So the, the, one of the central practices of Christians uh, and God's people throughout the ages is no longer part of, of, of their life. Um, not surprisingly, as these people detach themselves from Christian practice, they become increasingly distant from Christian doctrine. And so uh, Barna re- uh, finds that um, these uh, de-churched folks are much more likely than, than the common evangelical to believe that all religions teach basically the same thing. So there's a, there's a theological drift there. They're far less likely to read their Bibles. 
Uh, they're far less likely to talk to uh, friends about spiritual things and, and about Christ. Uh, Barnes shows that there's something essential about church um, for true faith, that, that the church is, is not a non-negotiable, uh, being a part of the body of, of, of Christ, uh, coming together with the people of Christ, engaging in public uh, communal worship. They're, they're not negotiable aspects. Um, those who drift away from that will find themselves quickly in spiritual trouble. Well, I, I say all that because Psalm 84 stands in, in uh, our cultural moment where so many people have lost their zeal for God's house and God's people. Psalm 84 just stands like this bright, beautiful light. Uh, this, is, this is a man who is enraptured with God and the things of God. He, he loves the, the place where God dwells. He loves the, uh, the people of God coming together to sing God's praises. Uh, the, the psalmist uses uh, the word blessed three times in the psalm, verse 4, 5, and 12. Uh, blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Verse 5, blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. Verse 12, O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Uh, this man is experiencing blessedness. And the word can be translated happy. That's not an inaccurate translation, but it's, it's richer than that. The blessed man in Scripture is a man, um, right, like in Psalm 1. He's got his roots sunk deep by the riverside, and there's fruit coming from his life. The blessed man in Scripture is a man who's found the purpose of life, what, what, what this is all about. He's found this source of, of great joy and comfort and peace in life. That doesn't mean he lives an easy life. The blessed man also lives a difficult life, but, but he, in the context of the difficulties, he's not shaken. He has comfort, peace in the trials and difficulties. He, he, he truly has discovered the fountain of life, and so he's at peace even in the face of death. Well, Psalm 84 gives us just a wonderful insight to, uh, into what makes this man tick. You know, the, the uh, Psalms are sort of, uh, they're, they're stories about the emotional life of a believer. They, they, they tell us what it feels like to be a child of God. And here in Psalm 84, we have, a, we have a, just this wonderful insight into the, the emotional experience of God's people as it relates to worship, to church life. Uh, the, the Psalm is, is described to the sons of Korah. The sons of Korah were descendants of Aaron. <clears throat> you probably remember um, Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. Remember the story of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram? They, very early on when Israel came out of Egypt, uh, they uh, started a, a revolt against Moses. And uh, <clears throat> the ground opened up. And Korah and his family were destroyed. Well, not all of them, we're told in the Bible. Not all of his sons died with him. In fact, God honors these, these descendants of Aaron, and they became... Uh, keepers of the tabernacle early on. They were like janitors. They were taking care of the place, and they continue that uh, even in the temple. But in, uh, in 1 Chronicles 6, I believe, <clears throat> yeah, 6 verse 31, we're told that David uh, also made them, well, I'll read the text. He says, David put them in charge of the service of song in the house of the Lord. So they were temple musicians. 
They were, they were worship leaders. Uh, and then they would serve then in the temple on a rotating basis. Well, Psalm 84 is, is written then by uh, one of these sons of Korah who is away from the temple. He's probably back at home doing uh, his normal work. But, but, but his heart is obviously in Jerusalem. Um, and he's, he is longing to make the pilgrimage once again uh, to go to the temple. Uh, as you know, pilgrimages would be made uh, commonly. They were required for every uh, Israel, Israeli man three times a year to go to the temple for the feasts. Uh, these were not easy journeys. It, the distance from, like, say, Nazareth to the north down to Jerusalem is uh, about 100 miles. That's as a crow flies, so you can imagine if you're taking this meandering trail, and you'd be walking. Maybe, maybe you would have a donkey, but most people just simply walked. It would be a, a journey of, of days. And, and yet the psalmist here, is he just wants to get on the road. He wants to go to Jerusalem. And tonight we're going to look at then what is his joy? What's his comfort? What's his confidence? What, what makes this man tick? Well, uh, let's just begin in verse 1. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. Uh, the word lovely can be translated as, as how dear, how precious. Uh, this man has a great and abiding delight in God's house, in the place where God dwells, the place where God's people come to worship. It's where his, his heart longs to be. The sons of Korah also wrote Psalm 42. If you remember, that's also a psalm that expresses this longing. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so my soul pants for you, O God. When shall I come and appear before God? When do I get to go to church? When do I get to go to the temple? And in verse 4, he, he talks about um, the, the, his memories of the procession of pilgrims singing and making their way to Jerusalem. These things I remember, he says, as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. Just this, this uh, wonderful experience of being with God's people united in a common purpose, a common love, uh, going to the temple to offer up praise and worship to God. It's a common theme in the, in the Psalms, uh, this, this, this delight in the Lord. Um, Psalm 43, verse 4, another song, a psalm of the sons of Korah. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy. So that's what makes this man tick. First, he just has a love for the Lord. And, and because he loves the Lord, he loves the things that belong to God. He loves the house of God, the people of God, and the praise of God. And he's envious, notice, even of the swallows. They get to live there. They get to make their nests in the various nooks and crannies of the, uh, of the temple and the courts of God. And they're there all the time. And they have their young there. What a place to raise your family, right? His, he, he's envious of the swallows there, because you see, they're in the presence of God and with the people of God. That's where blessedness is found. Verse 4, blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praises. That's where blessedness, the greatest blessedness in life is found, with God's people in God's house, singing God's praise. I, um, one of the people who illustrated this 
really, really well in my life was my brother Randy. Uh, he, um, Randy loved to worship. He wrote in his, uh, I saw where he wrote in his margin of his Bible by Psalm 16, um, oh, how I love to worship Christ. Uh, Randy um, was a, uh, at first Byron, he was part of the worship team there. And um, if you ever saw Randy sing, um, the, the joy of it was, was all over his face. I, um, I, I called Trish to see if Randy had written anything by Psalm 84. And he absolutely had. And I, I, he had underlined verses 4 and 5. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Uh, Blessed are those whose strength is in you and in whose hearts are the highways to Zion. And this is what Randy had written in the margin there. He said, one of my life's greatest joys is singing the praises of God with my family, whether in church or home, leading with the praise team or just us six. It is the one thing besides our children that we will be able to take with us to heaven. Music, song, harmony, all to the praise of God's most holy name. I love him and will one day reign with him because of his love for me. For all my days I will sing thy praise, exclamation point. Well, that's what the Holy Spirit does in the life of a child of God. Uh, He works in our hearts so that we find worship to be just the sweetest experience of life where we, with our whole heart and voice gathered with God's people, can sing, can praise Uh, Psalm 84, verse 10, a day in your courts, one day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. That that being part of God's people and joining in the praises and the worship of God, the world has nothing to compare to that. You know, they they show, uh, it used to be a thing where after you win the Super Bowl, they ask you, where are you going to do? I'm going to Disneyland. Uh, the Christian would say, I'm going to worship, right? I'm going to go worship because there's nothing better in the whole world. I want to gather with my family, um, the family of God, and I want to sing praise to the Lord. Uh, l- let me just say this. One of the things that God has blessed us with as a church is a, a love for worship. Um, the, uh, time and again, I've heard visitors say when they come here that the, the joy here is evident. Uh, people act like they really want to be here. So thank you for acting like that. Um, well, it's not an act, is it? it the, the Spirit of God is doing something, friends. That's, that's, we shouldn't take that for granted. Um, we've all been in churches where it just feels uh, like people would rather be someplace else. Joanne and I visited a church once where people that came very late, they scattered throughout the auditorium. It was a large auditorium, small church, and there were just, you couldn't have distanced people better if you tried. This was pre-COVID, and Within five minutes after the service, there was not a soul on the property. That was a strange feeling. That's not of the Spirit of God. So let's just give thanks to the Lord that when He gives us a desire to worship, a desire to come together and to sing, we should just, yes, yes, Lord, make it increase more and more. Make us, let me just tell you, I've shared this story with you before, but one of the things that so jarred me and shocked me when I was a young man, 22 years old, um, had all my theological ducks in a row, had it all figured out theologically, and um, was, was teaching the, the, uh, the um, young adults class at Coopersville Christian Forum Church, and some of them were going to First Assembly of God, and I knew that was wrong, so I figured I'd go there, get, get the data, get the ammunition, and then show them why it was wrong. So Joanna and I were dating, <laughs> go to First Assembly of God, evening service, place was packed, music is just... Uh, 
going everywhere. People are singing before church even started. And then church starts, and people are on their feet, and, and hands are being raised, and, and the joy was palpable. And that just turned my little theological card upside down. Or at least it just showed me, okay, I got my theology, but what's this? And what that was, was the joy of the Lord. Uh, that's what the Holy Spirit does. Uh, he moves in our hearts to delight in worship. Um, blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Right? My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. This, this evident experiential longing for God and delight in God that flows from our lips as we sing. That's, that's just something that is so deeply honoring to the Lord. When we, when we look like we actually enjoy the presence of God and we look like we really enjoy the worship of God, that we want to, to magnify His name. Now, now, I recognize we don't always feel that way, right? We don't always feel that way about coming to church. Sometimes it just feels like, huh, like a lot of work. Sometimes we're just tired. Sometimes we're spiritually apathetic. Sometimes we just rather stay home. I totally understand that. Sometimes I would rather stay home. But you see, what the Holy Spirit does is, and, and will do in our life as we, as we look to Him, He creates this, this delight in the people of God and this desire for the worship of God to, to be together as the church of Jesus Christ. That's a something that matters to us. I belong to the church and, and the excellent ones in the land, the, the saints in the land, in, in them is all my delight. I love those people. Love to be with them. Love to worship God with them and to serve the Lord with them. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He's clearly done it in the heart of this, of this psalmist. It's a defining desire of God's children. That's their desire, that's their comfort, what, their joy. What's our comfort? Verse 5, blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose hearts are the highways to Zion. Uh, the, the highways uh, to Zion, of course, they don't have expressways back in those days, but the highways are the raised, cared-for roads that lead to Jerusalem because those are the roads that mattered. And a pilgrim, a, a worshiping pilgrim, has that road on his heart. That's where he wants to go. He loves the roads that lead to Zion. It's not an easy road. Pilgrimages were not pleasure cruises. Cruises. That's a long walk. Uh, sore feet, weary legs, days of monotony, and yet, and yet, um, there's a joy in the midst of the hardship. And uh, the, the psalmist notice, I mean, notes the the hardship here when he talks about the Valley of Baca. Notice as they go through the Valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. One of the reasons that the uh, translators leave. Uh, baka, it's the Hebrew word, of course, uh, it, it, uh, because we're not quite sure how to translate it, but I, I think the best translation is uh, baka is related, associated with uh, weeping, tears. And so maybe in your Bible you have that, the valley of tears, the valley of, of weeping. The point is that God's pilgrims must go through unpleasant places on our journey to God. We're going to face valleys of grief and sorrow and trial. The Bible doesn't hide that. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7 that the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to eternal life. He tells us right up front, it, it's a, there's a valley of Baca and maybe numerous valleys. 
So, so why does the psalm say, blessed are these worshiping pilgrims? Well, the answer is because the valley of Bacah, the place of weeping, is also the place where we experience the strength of God. Blessed are those whose strength is in you. Uh, verse 7, they go from strength to strength until each one appears before God in Zion. Blessed, you see, are the people whose strength is the Lord their God. The, the, the people who discover that they are weakened of themselves, yet, yet God is so strong and so faithful and so sufficient. Blessed are the God is my strength people. Psalm 145, 146 verse 5 says, Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth. The God that we rely upon is the God who made heaven and earth. Blessed are those who can say, uh, with Psalm 121, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. You see, friends, the gospel isn't just good news for our guilt. It's good news for our weakness, for our fickle faith. It's good news for our, the, our physical and emotional and spiritual weakness. For God is our strength. The Bible, you'd be amazed how often the Bible talks about that, about God as our strength and our shield. And so despite the hardships that God's people face, they have the assurance that they will go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Every single one of God's children makes it home. Every one. Not a single one is lost, all because of the strength that God provides. And so our, our part then is to trust in Him. And that's the last blessedness of the psalm. Blessed are those who trust in you. The last five verses of the psalm have just this ring of confidence as he prays to the living God. Uh, he, uh, verse, verse 8, O Lord, God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Notice the titles he uses. O God of hosts. Who is that? Well, the hosts are the, that's the armies of heaven. And, and God is the king, the captain of the armies of heaven. We know that Jesus particularly is the Lord of hosts. And so he's mighty. Uh, the God of Jacob is, is, the, is the God who made covenant, not with the most deserving man. Jacob was a schemer, conniver, sinful man. And yet God makes covenant with Jacob, sets his love on Jacob, and is faithful to Jacob so that Jacob's life is blessed even though Jacob in so many ways is, is a struggling man in his own spirit, in his own faith, and yet God blesses him over and over. Why? Because of God's covenant with him. Well, this is why the, the writer has such confidence. He's praying to a God who makes covenant, a God who keeps covenant, and a God who's vowed to bring us before himself in Zion to that great worship service of uh, eternity in the presence of God. So, so we have the confidence that God is going to protect us, provide everything we need to bring us into His eternal home, into His eternal abode. Verse 11, the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. 
No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord God of hosts, O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. God doesn't withhold his gifts from his children. And to walk uprightly is not to walk perfectly. To walk uprightly is to walk in faith. It's to walk confessing our need. It's it's to walk acknowledging our failures and yet trusting in God's strength, believing his covenant promise. And God promises to give everything. He doesn't withhold anything from those who walk in faith. We just need to trust it. To trust God in a very practical, functional way. Not as a theological idea, but as a very specific, in-the-moment decision to not give in to worry, to not give in to fear, but to actually trust in God. A great example of this, this Thursday night, if you were Wednesday night for our Thanksgiving service, Ole Olson gave this testimony. I'm just going to read a part of it because it's a great example of this. As you know, he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Um, and now, is, uh, after all the treatments and stuff, has been declared cancer-free. But he says, when I was informed of the cancer diagnosis, all I could think of was laying my request for healing before the Lord's feet. He took the anxiety from me and allowed me to accept whatever treatment that was forthcoming. I didn't know what chemo was going to do to my body. I didn't know how long the process was going to take. The internet painted a grim picture for survival, all of which encouraged me to pray to the Lord. All of that, I don't know, I don't know what this is going to do. I don't know what this means. I don't know how this is going to end. It looks really, really hard and really difficult. And he could have said, and therefore I will be afraid. And I will give way to worry and fear. But instead, he says, all of these things encourage me to trust in the Lord, to pray to the Lord. That's exactly what a life of trust looks like. Friends, what in your life today needs that sort of decision on your part? What, where do you need to set your fears and worries and anxieties to the side? Not ignoring them, but trusting the Lord for them. I, I, one of my, uh, my friends, Doug Rosine, just a phrase, I've said this before, but I would be talking to him about something, complaining to him about something, and, and he would sort of interject and said, do you think we could trust the Lord for that? Yeah, I, I think we probably could. We could probably trust the Lord for that. See, it's a way of life. In, in the very practical, mundane reality of the, of the true lives that we live with the actual difficulties we face David uh, the psalmist here says blessed are those who trust in you God promises great things to those who trust in him let me just give you a few Psalm 125 verse 1 those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion which cannot be moved but abides forever Psalm 32 10 many are the sorrows of the wicked but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord Psalm 33, 18, Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear Him, on those who hope in His steadfast love. Where in your life do you need to apply that and lay hold of that to trust in the Lord and to experience the blessing of it? Well, this is a psalm that, um, written by an Old Testament saint, one of our brothers, 
How do we receive this and read this as New Testament Christians? Well, it's not that difficult, is it? The dwelling place of God today, we're told, is, is not the temple in Jerusalem. The dwelling place of God is right here, the church. Uh, Paul speaks of that in Ephesians 2. That the church of Christ, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the, corners, <clears throat> the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God. We're being built together as a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. That's what, it, that's what the church is. And as the Holy Spirit works in us, one of the things that we'll see is an increasing love for the church of Jesus Christ. I love thy kingdom, Lord, the house of thine abode. The church, our blessed Redeemer, saved with his own precious blood. For her, my tears shall fall. For her, my prayers ascend. Do you pray for the church of Jesus Christ? Do you pray for Harvest Church? Do you, do you pray for the Holy Spirit to increase your love for the church? I do. I say, Lord, just help me to love your church. Help me to love your people. In truth, not just in theory, but, but in truth, to have a, a deep desire to gather with and, and, and walk with the church here at Harvest Church. This is what the Spirit would do. So this is a very simple, practical application. Uh, the, the Spirit is, is calling us to be a worshiping pilgrim and to delight in, in worship the way the psalmist here does. But there's another uh, just wonderful in New Testament clue here. When In verse 9, it's easy to skip over when the psalmist says in verse 9, Behold our shield, O God, look on the face of your anointed. He's praying specifically for Israel's king. And why would he do that? Well, he's just talked about the God of Jacob, the God who makes covenant, the God who made covenant with Israel. And, and his mind naturally then goes to Israel's covenant head, which is the king. You know, if you know your Old Testament, as goes the king, so goes the people. If the king is righteous, God pours out his blessings on the king, if the, on the nation. If the king is wicked, God brings judgment and hardship on the nation. Well, as New Testament Christians, how much confidence can we have knowing that God has made covenant with us through Christ, our King. And that therefore, no good thing will He withhold from us in Jesus. Paul says in Ephesians 1 that God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Jesus, and He will continue to do so all the way to the end. And so what greater reasons, friends, do we have to give praise? What greater reasons do we have to take comfort in the strength that God provides, to trust in the God who, will, who promises to bring each of us before his face in Zion. Let's trust him with our whole heart. Let's, let's live and walk like worshiping pilgrims, joining with the great procession, making our way to our eternal home. May God grant it for his glory. Amen. Oh, Father God, I thank you so much for Jesus. I thank you for making us his church, the house where he lives and dwells. Oh, God, that you are present here among us. I thank you, Lord, for Harvest Church. I thank you for the brothers and sisters, the family that we have here. I thank you for the work of your Holy Spirit here. Thank you for the children and Lord Jesus, I thank you that this is a place where, that you are building for your dwelling, a place where you are glorified, a place that 
where you've called us together as one body with one hope, one faith, one Lord to love each other, to work together, to walk together on this pilgrim journey as we make our way to our heavenly home. And so, Jesus, I pray that you would give us a great love for the church of Jesus Christ, that we would count one day here better than a thousand elsewhere. And that, Lord, by your Spirit, you you would just give us this wonderful, expressive emotion of joy in the church and in the worship of the church. That we would be, Lord, um, thrilled to sing, to pray and praise with God's people. Knowing, Lord, that this is the one thing in the world that we will take with us into eternity. For there we will worship you forever and perfectly. And so, Lord, I I thank you for the work of your spirit in our life. And I, I pray, Lord, as we just see this shining example here in Psalm 84, that as, as New Testament Christians, Lord, this would be experienced and expressed right here. That we would be these people by the grace of God and for the glory of God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's sing a hymn together, just um, delighting in God's grace to us and making us His people, the chosen of the Lord, as we, as we saw this morning. Let's stand together and sing, We Are God's People.
Now as you go into the world as the people who belong to God, who live for the cause and the glory of God, receive his blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen.